another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about maximizing sport and life performance. Today's guest is Carl Paoli. Carl Paoli is a Swedish-American lifestyle coach who grew up to as who grew up as an elite in, uh, gymnast in Spain. After retiring from gymnastics, Carl graduated with a bachelor's in science in envi- environmental science from the University of Miguel Hernandez. He later le- ended up pursuing his passion for coaching, which led him to Find CrossFit and launching Gymnastics WOD or Workout of the Day in 2010, assisting Jan, uh, Jamie Jamie Tikkanen in coaching Annie Thorsdorfter. I don't know how to say the last name. To win back-to-back CrossFit Games titles in 2011 and 2012, Carl is the author of New York Times best-selling Freestyle: Maximize Sport and Life Performance with Four Basic Movements. Also, the founder of Freestyle Connection, a media and digital learning company based in San Francisco, California. Carl Paoli, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I definitely, I definitely butchered the two last names. I did my best, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, it's an awesome bio to hear. You'll be forgiven. Uh, yeah, yeah. The listeners know uh, I'm, I'm infamous for this stuff, but I, I you know, I do do my best. Um, but Carl, tell us a little bit more of that backstory, um, as much as you you like to tell us, just so the listeners know a little bit uh, more about you um, and how you got to where you're at. Yeah, in a nutshell, uh, you can you can see through the bio that or read through the bio that uh, I studied in in Spain, and it's because when I was a kid, I moved there with my parents at the age of five. That's where I grew up, spent most of my life there. I did gymnastics in Spain, uh, competed in gymnastics at a relatively high level. Um, and then, uh, I, uh, studied environmental science and while I was studying environmental science, I had officially retired from gymnastics. I entered the world of action sports and, uh, fell in love with what one would call freestyle sports. So snowboarding, mm-hmm. wakeboarding, uh, anything outside of the box. And, uh, eventually in 2004, I, Ended up moving to the U.S. where I was actually born, but uh, I came back in 2004 and started coaching gymnastics, got into fitness, uh, found CrossFit, and within CrossFit, I started uh, sharing a lot of information that was gymnastics-based, but it was my own take on developing a language of movement that people could use to, one, understand why we would perform certain things in a certain way and how those techniques or methods could translate into helping them uh, get their needs met. And uh, I did this by putting out content on YouTube and eventually in 2014, publishing a book called Freestyle, uh, which uh, uh, I guess we will talk a little bit about today uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, kind of shares the story uh, of, of what it is that I believe is important to to understand, to be able to uh, really get a good grasp for what our bodies are capable of and why we should care and how we can uh, utilize our body as a vehicle to uh, achieve something greater than than just physical performance. Yeah, I, I started seeing and I read uh, something you mentioned that you had gotten from, well, at least a neuroscientist said it one way and you took from that different perspective, which was learn to move so we can move to learn. Can you just kind of go briefly into that and how 
that kind of resembles a lot of stuff that you talk about in the book and how you coach people. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty simple. I uh, when I first started coaching, of course, I used everything that I had learned in gymnastics, everything that I had learned in action sports, everything that I had learned through strength and conditioning related to those sports, and I realized that. It wasn't the method that I was using, which was the relevant part of my coaching, but rather the language that I was using, the personal relationship that I was developing, the contextual application of the process we were going through that really mattered. And I had a light bulb moment of this maybe 15 years ago now when I was uh, listening to a neuroscientist talking about child development. <laughs> and one of the things that uh, this neuroscientist said was that kids at an early age need to learn how to read. So later in life, they can read to learn new things. And that's mm-hmm. when it dawned on me that I wasn't teaching gymnastics. I wasn't teaching CrossFit. I wasn't teaching techniques or a method. What I was really helping people do was learn how to move so they could move their bodies in ways that allowed them to learn new things, regardless of it being physical performance, mental or emotional performance, or something applicable to their craft, whether it was in their profession or hobby. Wow. So basically you were teaching them um, strategies, not only movement strategies, but learning strategies that they can translate into whatever it is, whether it's hobbies, CrossFit, you know, what have you, you were teaching, well, you started list, or, uh, realizing that it wasn't just the, the techniques and the methods, but how you were going about that, the language uh, that you were starting to have with them, but also the ones that they were starting to have with themselves, with their body, um, basically tapping into a whole like new learning curve is basically what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, if you think about uh, education. Education comes from uh, the the word uh, in Latin, educare, which is to pull out. Hmm. And that's that's what I was doing in in coaching. Is I was teaching people how to uh, go in in into themselves and tap into what they had inside of them and bring out what was already true in them, what was already uh, genetically uh, developed for them, genetically available for them, mechanically available for them, and then uh, see how that fit within their environment, their life, uh, contextually, so to speak. And I think that's what what I think you're referring to when you're talking about Mm -hmm. the strategy. But it, mm-hmm. it, it's not just the strategy. It's it's being able to see all parts. It's developing a higher level of awareness. Awareness not just being um, a perspective, but a greater level of consciousness that allows for one to participate in an individual process, which is their own, in a way that is relatable to all other uh, processes, which is uh, more of the collective approach to movement. How did the the students, I guess, if you will, that you would teach go about, because um, I'm sure they're expecting, hey, he's going to teach me technique, he's going to teach me methods, and I'm going to move better. How did they receive your aspect of education and your aspect of not just thinking about the movement, but long-term uh, trying to increase his 
overall awareness and overall, overall consciousness? Were they, were they very receptive? Well, those who worked with me were probably receptive. Those who didn't <laughs> work with me <laughs> weren't receptive. So I couldn't answer that question for you. But I can tell you three things that I know to be true within any relationship that I've had with um, my students or people that I've worked with, which is, for one, I'm going to give them some insight. So, of course, I'm going to teach you some technique, but uh, the, the goal is never to succumb to that technique, but just to use that technique as a bridge or a vehicle to the next step, to the next realization. So, mm-hmm. insight was always something that I was there to uh, instill and bring to the table. The other thing was inspiration. Inspiration, not just uh, being a motivational coach here, but rather uh, breathing life into their practice. It's making Mm -hmm. them self-sufficient. It's helping them realize that I'm just a dude trying to figure it out just like they are. Uh, and I'm just here to work with them in a way that they can uh, see themselves a little bit better. In other words, I'm just being a mirror for the, themselves. And then, fi- like yeah. And then finally, is my goal was to always leave my students or anyone I work with with a little confusion. I mean, anyone listening to this today, I hope they leave a little confused, thinking. Uh, that maybe I'm a little crazy or nuts or uh, I'm thinking in a way that they can't relate to. And the reason is because if you embrace confusion and being a little bit lost and uh, living in uncertainty, you will realize that the answers are not outside. They're not in a book. They're not in some expert or someone who claims to be an expert. They're all within. So it it catalyzes an introspective process. It makes one go within and ask themselves the questions and um, pushes them to to want to answer them themselves and then put them into action and see whether what is true for them inside is true outside. Wow. So two things that, that I that really, really kind of pop out at me was First and foremost, sufficiency, right? Where you are, the ultimate goal being, you know, you wanting to, for them to be almost self-reflective, um, to be able to not only learn stuff, but also be able to have that sustainability uh, and whatever you teach them, for them to be able to be able to uh, apply that time in and time out um, with a lot of these strategies, right? Or this consciousness, consciousness or higher uh, or elevated version of their awareness, um, but be able to, to do that on their own, right? And be able to um, reflect not off of the stuff, not only off of the stuff that you're teaching them, but also look a little deeper within themselves. Because I think, uh, honestly, too, as well, um, I would agree that we most of the answers we already know, right? We most of, the, most of the answers to the questions we're asking, we already know. We're just looking for almost validation at some point. Um, and I, and I really like the two points that you just met, well, several points, but the two that really dumped out was sufficiency and this introspective, intro, uh, intro, intro, wow. Intro. Introspective. Yeah. Yeah. Introspective process. Um, that I think for a lot of people is super scary, right? When they realize that, uh, they have to look in within themselves. It's, it's also a very difficult process as well. Um, but 
leading or facilitating that process and facilitating that growth, I think is a true, the true um, job of a coach or anyone teaching anything, right? Is to be able to allow the students to look within themselves for those answers. Because ultimately, if you can be self-sufficient, right, it's kind of like that saying, you can lead the the horse to the water, but, you know, the water, the horse actually has to drink, right? Or you can teach a man how to fish or you can, or, or you can buy him or give him fish. I think it goes through the same interpretation where if you can teach somebody how to really get those answers answers with from within, then ultimately they have the power to really change their, again, their performance or destiny, whatever it may be. So um, that's very interesting that you, the your style of coaching is, is, is very, how can I say, very empowering. Mm. Thank you. Well, I think I think the first thing that I I think about is if I'm being labeled or titled or I'm exercising the role of a coach, I first need to know what is a coach? Who is mm. a coach? And a coach is really the person uh, or group or culture that assists other people in learning how to get their needs met. Mm. That that's what we're doing. Meaning within coaching, within a culture, within a way of doing things, uh, there is teaching, there is training, which is basically stress testing something, challenging something to see if it's robust. And uh, then there's instructing, which is giving guidance, clear steps, progressions. And and that is, is something that is very important to keep in mind, is that as a coach, all we're trying to do is to create an environment where one can learn, be tested, and guided in learning mm-hmm. how to get their needs met. And because there are universal needs that we all have as human beings, and then individualized expression of those needs, we need to create connections amongst them. And that is the translation. And that's why the conversation that you and I are having is so important, mm-hmm. because people need to be able to see that reflected in themselves and find the language, the words, the way of thinking, the way of acting, behaving, moving, that's going to allow them to uh, process the information so they can get their needs met, feel fulfilled, and thus perform or maximize or trend towards their potential, whether it's in uh, life or sport. And this is something that is very important, is that it's not measured in numbers, this is measured by feel. And I always say that when it feels right in your head, meaning that you you can rationalize it, it feels right in your heart, meaning that it just feels uh, aligned with what you're passionate about and what you believe in. And with your gut, meaning your nervous system, meaning that you're feeling healthy, your body is functioning efficiently, then you're trending in the right direction. And if you can do that consistently, over time, the numbers will follow. Wow. So I guess my next question is, what inspired you to write freestyle? There was no inspiration whatsoever. I was, I was uh, given a contract by a publishing house and asked to write a book. <laughs> really? So they actually came to you and said, hey, we want you to write a book. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't seeking it out. I didn't feel ready to write a book at all, but... I got an opportunity to do it, so I did it. And uh, because I wasn't inspired to write the book, it was more of a chore. 
it took mm-hmm. me it took me three years to figure out what I was writing and why I was writing it. And eventually what I did was alongside my co-author, who is a, a really great neuroscientist and engineer, is we simply developed a manual for my students. And the the manual is basically like a playbook for one, learning the language, two, uh, applying the language to a few techniques, and three, translating that language into your lifestyle. Wow. What was the hardest part, other than the fact that you were kind of thrown into this situation, what was the hardest part about um, getting your practice, your methods into words? Yeah, the and hardest, being able to the, communicate that. Yeah, the hardest part is knowing that whatever uh, effort you put behind it and however you try to bend it, you're always going to be limited. And what yeah. you're going to present in a book is only going to be a truth, not the truth. And mm-hmm. uh, the the ultimate goal was always to be able to look back on it and whether you wanted to change things or things weren't uh, as accurate as they could be to to at least see that they were a good stepping stone. And I think that was the the most challenging part. And then and then selecting um, uh, an audience, which which in my case was selecting the audience that I was already. Uh, working with just to have mm-hmm. something in writing and something uh, kind of archived, such as uh, the methodology, if you will, that I was teaching. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I always find, first of all, reading a book, um, you really don't think about all the stuff that it takes to get to that point, right? You just think, hey, it's just, you know, I'm sure this author had all the stuff in his head and or her head. And just kind of wrote it out. Took maybe a couple months, a couple of years, and then there it is. But uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. It's not that easy, right? You have to really try to figure out how you can communicate. And like you mentioned, and I think I would have the same problem if I, I don't know if I were to write a book, but you try to be, you want to be perfect, right? You want to be able to really get all your communication out there. But there's only so much you can say in words. Um, like you mentioned, you, it's probably not the truth, but it's a truth, part of it. Um, and then hopefully, like you mentioned earlier, at least hopefully you, you create some confusion to where they uh, build the motivation to seek more information. Or hopefully, and the, and the other aspect that we talked about is reflect a little bit more to them, where now you're communicating or starting this conversation um, to where they can like seek a little bit more information. Yeah, it's it's kind of like delivering enough clarity that people feel like they they got the concept, but with an open ending that allows for that clarity to be challenged and evolved. So my next question would be, I know I've after reading some of your stuff here, um, a question that came up was, what does it mean to be human? And I wanted to hear your perspective that I know you 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 have three things that you kind of have like as aspects of that question. Um, but what does it mean to be human to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think uh, being human is an experience and it is an experience that is perceived uh, individually, meaning that every person on the planet has a different perspe- perception of what uh, the human experience is. And thus, mm-hmm. Uh, everyone carries a responsibility to 
continue to one be aware of that perception of their reality their experience of life and share in the best way they can with the people around them what that experience is like not with the intention of imposing their truth but with the intention of getting more clarity and a better perspective of their own in other words uh, there's a great quote that I uh, that I found a, a while back that is is really helpful that comes from uh, a spiritual teacher actually called Ramdas, uh, who said that I work on myself as an offering to others. I work with others as a way of working on myself, and I think that is exactly what being human is all about. We are here to work on ourselves, and if we can do that as a way of offering what we're learning who we are as service to others, then we can work with others to continue to uh, develop ourselves. And I think that's an important uh, aspect of, of, of being human. Mm, so, so does that mean, I mean, I've heard before, right? As soon as you start to teach, that's when you truly start to learn. Is that very similar to now as you start to help others, you start to see uh, maybe how some of those things can reflect upon you, right? When you start to learn, Maybe something you had difficulty learning or understanding by yourself, or understanding by your environment. Uh, when you help someone else reach this level of consciousness or even awareness, you get to the point where you now have learned that aspect. Is that similar to where this, where, where that phrase comes from? Yeah, I would say that that's pretty accurate. Interesting. And then I saw the three aspects that um, when it comes to being human was stardust being our basics uh basic needs being met and then the last one meaning uh seeking full uh fulfillment um can you just go a little bit more elaborate into those three things yeah one the first thing to to realize is that being human even just the word human means from the earth mm -hmm. so we as physical beings are organic mineral matter that's composed in a certain way, which we call physiology, biology, right? We call it life. Right. And uh, when we look at ourselves from that perspective, from what we are made of, we are, we are everything, meaning we are the earth, we are the trees, we, we are the, the stars, we are the universe, we are everything. Everyone is made out of the same thing. So mm -hmm. that's number one. And the moment you realize that... Um, you start to uh, leave your your egocentric view of the world and you start becoming uh, more peaceful, uh, less reactive, more responsive. Uh, you, you start to belong and you start to realize that uh, we're all like one living being. In fact, I mean, there are uh, numerous studies in, in geology. I, when I started environmental science, I found this very interesting is that geologists don't just look at the, the mere uh, physical aspect of the planet, but they look at the planet as a living being that is uh, life. And uh, the, the nervous system of the planet is uh, anything that is alive. So humans and uh, animals and vegetation. And if you think about us as the nervous system of the planet, uh, humans and animals are the sympathetic side of, of the nervous system, and then the plants are the parasympathetic side of things. And 
when you can see yourself as something that belongs to a bigger system, an ecosystem, another life form, uh, you you become more integrated, you become one. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think this is an extremely important part of uh, being human. The, the, the other side that you said was, was the meeting of needs. So it's, first of all, identifying that uh, just like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs uh, showcases, there, there's, a, there's a set of needs, basic human needs that we, we need to get met to, to be healthy and be uh, alive uh, and, and live. But because we live in such a safe time, although that's ironic because right now mm-hmm. we're, we're going through the whole uh, coronavirus outbreak and this pandemic is really affecting a lot of people, we still leave, live in a very abundant, safe uh, space. And when, when one lives in, in that kind of safe place, in that kind of comfort, one starts to neglect or uh, ignore the, the needs that they truly have, that, that are, are the underlying reason for either their stress or lack or uh, disease or whatever it may be that's limiting uh, their, their expression through life. So it's, it's, it's become aware that you have a need and that you, you're trying to get that need met. That's what everything you're doing is based on. And the sooner you can uh, realize that, the more you can communicate that. And the sooner you can communicate that, the sooner the need gets met and you will be flowing and unfolding and thus getting closer to uh, realizing that you're just part of this, this bigger thing, which is uh, planet Earth in the universe, for example. Hmm. And then finally, uh, fulfillment. The sense of fulfillment is when one realizes that uh, one is doing the best they can with what they have and that whether you're having a great moment that you could consider a victory or uh, a very low moment that you could consider a failure, they are both the same because they're both part of the process and needed as contrast to be able to see what is true right now. And what is true right now is that you are trying to identify what your needs are (laughs) and you're trying to get those needs met in order to come closer to being at peace with uh, being part of something bigger than yourself. Uh, So they, they all kind of intertwine and uh, fold into each other, if you will. Yeah, you, you see that right off the back, right? We're, we're part of a bigger thing. We're all trying to work towards the same thing. How we get there is, you know, um, a little different, but always kind of going to the same path. Um, I really like the last part that you mentioned, right? It was fulfillment, where we're trying to do the best that we can, and the highs and the lows are all the same thing, just different uh perspectives of the process i think that was super i think because of a lot of people even for myself right uh, i can be super hard on myself um that we get too too warped into when we're doing really well and don't think about all the stuff that had to happen to get there and then once we're doing really bad right whatever it may be you think about wow you know you ask why me why is this happening to me you feel like lonely you feel like that's the you're the only person that probably has ever felt like this, even though obviously, you know, that's not necessarily the case. But I think having that perspective of both the best day and the worst day 
are both needed in order to achieve that ultimate goal, which is fulfillment. I and agree. I think the way you 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 brought that was uh, very interesting. I never I never heard it that way. Very now, good. now for freestyle, why why the name freestyle for the book? Well, first of all, it became freestyle because when I left gymnastics. I fell in love with freestyle sports, action sports. And my mm -hmm. big realization was that the way that things were done in gymnastics didn't have to be done that way uh, in other sports in order for them to be quote unquote successful. And the way that I learned this was by uh, realizing that in gymnastics, if I did something with a certain technique in a certain mm -hmm. way, that meant the the purposes of the game and the sport of gymnastics but i could do it in a completely different way which would break all the rules in gymnastics in wakeboarding and it would be equally as successful and valid in that context so freestyle what it really is 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 being able to see that all styles carry value and thus, one must start with the uh, ability of accepting and respecting all styles as valid and then using what uh, each person needs, once again, learning how to get your needs met from those mm -hmm. styles to, uh, to move in the direction that you want to move. And that's where, where freestyle comes from. Got it. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. I'm sure the nice. listeners by now are probably tired of me saying that, but I'm a big Bruce Lee's fan. And the biggest reason why it was his perspective of learn as much as you can learn from those, learn the principles from each practice or whatever, and then make it your own. Similar to kind of what you just mentioned with freestyle is trying to get the best or at least the needs of, or how those needs were met in each style and then making it kind of your own. And then again, obviously taking into point the human needs, the fulfillment, um, and obviously understanding the bigger picture of things. Um, I like that. Why Why do you, I know I saw the title says free plus style. Is there an underlying thing with the with the plus being in the middle? Yeah, that's a, that's a pure design aspect, and it comes from Swiss design, uh, which is very clean, very simple. And the plus is just a way of, uh, one, splitting the word into two free meaning i want myself to trend towards freedom and mm. the style is my own way of trending towards freedom and i want anyone who is uh, involved in freestyle to feel like through what they're reading in the book or through their own process that they're trending towards freedom which is not just a free for all, but it's the ultimate level of responsibility in their own way with their own style. That's why it's, uh, you see that design there. So would you consider freestyle as a lifestyle, as a methodology, as a philosophy, as what would you consider freestyle? Obviously away from the actual sports uh, genre, if you will. Uh, your perspective of freestyle is it a, a way of living is it a way of thinking is it a way of interacting yeah it's open it's open it's open for interpretation but it's a philosophy and it starts by 
accepting and respecting all ways, all styles. That's what it is. It's, it's very simple. Okay. And then if I had to add a second uh, part to it, it would be a language. And specifically, it's a language yeah. for movement, human movement, which mm-hmm. is our most basic form of communication and uh, expression as human beings. Mm-hmm. And then finally, that integrated into someone's craft, whether it's in training, physical performance, or anything else, uh, that would be their own definition of it. So uh, that's when it can become a methodology. But I have no interest in, in creating a methodology or, or being the guy that, uh, you know, carries the torch for, for some, some other dogmatic uh, way of thinking that is only going to uh, be an internal uh, ego battle uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to 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 maintain or or communicate. I hear you. Um, what are what are a few ways people can now uh, once they read this book um, and you know now that they're listening more of the aspects and more of the philosophy behind the book and um, how you came across to making it. What are some things that they can do right away um, that they can start embedding some of this uh, philosophy uh, and thought process into their performance or life? Yeah, I I don't have an answer for that because once again, whatever people's experiences like when reading the material, uh, that's their experience and they will know how they want to integrate it if they have questions or they want to bounce ideas back and forth with me. They can always uh, find me, uh, which if you want to find me, you will. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, that's when they can get a little bit more information. But um, yeah, once, once you hear whatever you and I just talked about, or you read the book, or you watch any of my content on, on YouTube, uh, you will know what to do. You don't need me to tell you. Love it. A um, couple more questions here. So the four basic movements, what are they? Yeah, I almost forgot what they were because I made them up. Um, I think that's important to know. But it's it's the pistol, it's the handstand push-up, it's a muscle-up, and then there's a burpee. The pistol, only, yeah. handstand push-up, what was the other two? So it's pistol, squat, some squatting uh-huh. mechanics, handstand okay. push-up, some pushing mechanics, muscle-up, some pulling mechanics, and burpee, a combination of some pushing and pulling and changes of orientation in space. The only reason I picked those was because in CrossFit, the space that I was in at the time uh, had had those as some fundamental movements, but uh, weren't just fundamental, but actually were uh, relatively challenging for a lot of people to, to achieve. So mm-hmm. I utilize those movements as case studies for explaining uh, some principles of performance and the value behind them. So you, you actually use or where you got them from, you guys use them as like assessment or like goal-based programming to like achieve these. And then you kind of took that and then uh, embedded it into kind of like the learning part of the movement in freestyle basically, right? Yeah, they're not even goals or assessments. I mean, a lot of people see them that way, but (laughs) I I don't. They're just the backdrop to your learning process. That's all it is. Okay. What's the what's the day in the life of Carl Paoli? Right now? What are you doing these days? (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, right. I guess I guess before quarantine and now during quarantine. Yeah, the, the uh, right now it's it's pretty simple. I used to uh, spend uh, over two hundred days a year traveling, teaching seminars. So I would spend most of my time traveling and uh, either writing or reading or listening to to something studying mm-hmm. uh, but now it's uh, I wake up uh, I uh, maybe sit for a little bit maybe some meditation some reading some writing uh, I have a little breakfast um, I do some work I get on a podcast like I'm on a podcast with you right now or I mm-hmm. I, uh, I record my own podcast or content I uh, get a little movement in currently movement is uh, hand balancing. And I do a little running if I can, uh, just something that that feels good at the moment. Nothing, nothing fancy, uh, just moving. Uh, something that feels subtle in 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 the movement, uh, yet uh, giving me a little bit of a a kick. And then, uh, yeah, then I uh, start to taper down the day, and uh, I work on some creative projects, and uh, yeah, just writing a lot lately, and and. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of time to think, uh, but it's it's very very simple. And then I have uh, dinner with family and uh, go to bed. Any uh, current projects that you're working on that uh, you can tell us about? Uh, yeah, no projects at the moment. Uh, I'm I'm currently giving myself some time to to not do anything and to not have an agenda and not uh, have to produce anything uh, in particular. I'm just going with the flow literally at the moment and uh and have taken all timelines out of the picture and and just working on um allowing myself to have space to uh, either create the next thing or uh, be of service in any way that i can and uh, support those who who need it at the moment okay um what was i gonna ask oh um, how, what's the best way for them to contact you or to reach out to you, however, maybe? Well, however you found me, that's the best way. <laughs> okay. So that was, uh, Instagram at Carl Paoli, right? There you that's go. your, right. your, your handle. Was that how we connected? Maybe, maybe it was. That's cool. Yeah. That, uh, my, uh, like I mentioned, uh, co- my co-host Tim Langer does a great job of finding awesome guests like you, Carl. And I believe it was through Instagram. Very cool. Well, Instagram awesome. it is. That, that's the way. Yes. Hit me up there. <laughs> um, and then obviously book recommendations would be Freestyle, Maximize sport, uh, sport and Life Performance with Four Basic Movements. And then currently you have any courses or products or I know you mentioned workshops, anything in particular that uh, you like the listeners to maybe grab a hold of or maybe look into? Uh, not, not, no, no programs for purchase or anything like that. Um, I mean, I have a muscle up master program that you can buy, of course, if you want to, if you want to do that. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm most excited about right now is, uh, I have a coffee club that I run, uh, virtually as, uh, right now we can't get together in person. Uh, so everyone's welcome to, to join me there. You can find that on my Instagram. There's a link there. And then, uh, I do a lot of, uh, one-on-one uh, personal coaching and it's, it's uh, specifically lifestyle coaching. So I, I, uh, I'm basically a consultant in many ways and I do it in terms of, um, personal development and business and brand development. So that's, that's uh, something that I'm currently doing. And, 
uh, I enjoy doing that very much. And it's been, it's been very uh, interesting and uh, insightful for me. Awesome. Awesome. Now, this last part of the podcast is what we call speed round. Okay. Uh, speed round is uh, just, you know, firing questions at you just to hear a little bit more of who you are and, you know, what you're like, what you're scared of, all that stuff. Just, you know, just to lift, just to learn a little bit more about yourself. Um, yeah. Are you ready? Ready. Don't be nervous. It's okay to be nervous if you are, but don't be. All right. So here we go. First question. What is your greatest fear? Mm, I think right now is loss. Um, potentially losing family members or, mm. um, yeah, that, that's my biggest fear. Okay. One thing you can live without. One thing you can get rid of and, and be completely fine with. Mm, I guess if if uh, dying is considered to be perfectly safe, I guess my life. Okay. Um, last movie you saw, whether it was on Netflix or actual in the cinema. Oh, goodness. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah no clue. okay it's been a while uh, no worries <laughs> um favorite superhero um uh, uh batman i would say he's, oh, he's maybe the most human and a little dark yeah you know actually you know that's a popular choice when i ask that question either batman or uh batman what was the other one spider-man oh nice or yeah batman spider-man but for the same reason, Batman, because he's more human, right? He really doesn't have any superpowers other than just he can whoop some ass. There you but go. Here we are. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. Now, this last part is uh, what we call thanks. I give three thanks. One, it's going to be to you, Carl, for taking the time uh, out of your day to jump on this podcast to really allow us to learn more about your book, your insight, your philosophy, um, just and then just have a great conversation about being a better human and uh, trying to really uh, maximize your potential. Uh, so I really appreciate you jumping on, Carl. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate you taking the time and giving me a chance to share. Of course. The next, uh, the, the second thanks goes to our listeners. Thank you guys for taking the time to um, listen to this episode with Carl. Again, you could have been doing anything right now, maybe watching Tiger King on Netflix, but you took the time to listen to this episode um, and hopefully you uh, took away some nice, valuable information. And the last uh, thank you goes to our clients, our patients, and those that we get to work with on a day-to-day -day who see the value um, in working with us, whether it's communication skills or rehab and sports performance, you know, whatever may, or personal development. Um, we do have a lot to share, and I believe everyone does. Um, and the fact that you see the value in working with us and uh, working with anybody that sees uh, – that would like to really empower you. Um, we thank you for that. So with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you, and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode. Hold up.